Well, this morning I want to start with a question. In fact, if you're filling in little blanks there, I'd like to actually write in the answer to the question, and that is, are you content this morning? Are you content this morning? <clears throat> yes or no, I'm, I'm not content. That's the first question. If you are content, that's great. You don't need to answer the second one. But if you're not content this morning, then the second question is what needs to change for you? What needs to change for you to be content? And I'm going to suggest to you this morning that you'll need to move one inch from your chair this morning. You need to go anywhere. You don't need to get anything for you to be content. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. And I trust that together we'll learn something of what God is wanting for us in the area of contentment this Thanksgiving season. I want to give you a definition of contentment. It comes from a guy who wrote a lot about this. And uh, 400 years ago, his name is Jeremy Burroughs. And here is his definition of contentment. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, and gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. So let me just slow it down. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely not only submits to, but freely delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Now, this was written a few years ago, so the language may be a little bit different. But basically what he's saying is that Christian contentment is this, it's this deep inner peace and rest, just submitting your life moment by moment to believing that there is an almighty God out there who is allowing by his wisdom and by his fatherly care things to come in your life as he determines. It's just that quiet confidence that God knows what's going on and he's there and he's allowing whatever comes into your life. People who live here say things like in the midst of difficulty, oh well, it's okay. It will all work out. And I want to tell you, and you know this from experience, this is a great place to be living your life. Unfortunately, it's a place that we often abandon very early on in our day. And so this morning, we're going to look at a couple of primary passages that Paul writes about contentment. And both of these passages were written by Paul. Uh, just keep this in mind. He was in prison for crimes he didn't commit. He was basically in prison for being a Christian and sharing the gospel. And so I think they are instructive. They are written by a man who knew what he was talking about and who obviously was learning 
from his own personal experience. Now, there's a lot that we could take out of these passages, and uh, you may want to look at them more in depth. But I'd like to read two of them, and then we're going to look at three different qualities here, three different keys that I think are very important. There's certainly more than that. We'll probably just have time for three of them this morning in terms of ways in which we can experience this gift of contentment. 1 Timothy 6, beginning with verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food, clothing, we will be content with that. Wow, could you say that? You know what? If I have enough food to eat, and I have the clothes, some clothes to put on in the morning, I, I can be content with that. He says, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and the many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, O man of God, flee all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you, were, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then also, from a different time in Paul's life, this was written in Timothy right near the end of Paul's life. He had another prison stay. And it was there that he penned these words in Philippians 4. He says, I'm not saying this because I have a need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So just a couple observations before we look at these three keys. I think it's interesting that Paul says, first of all, I have learned. I have learned the secret of being content. Being content is something you learn. And what that tells me is that Paul is saying, I have learned to be content. The only way you can learn to be content is to realize that you are discontent. If you're never discontent, then you don't need to learn to be content, right? So we all have experiences of being discontented. And what God is trying to do whenever you're discontent, He's wanting to teach you how to move from discontentment to contentment. And so understand this is something you need to learn. It's not something that happens in a moment. It's not something that's going to come natural. It's something that you need to learn. Secondly, we see that Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content. So being content is a secret. What that tells me is it's, it's not something that's obvious. 
Uh, if, you have a, if you have a safe, uh, one of these big safes, and, and there's a, you know, you, you can try and, and, and get, figure out the combination, but you're probably not going to figure it out on your own. Somebody needs to give you the instructions. You need to find out the secret about how to get into that safe, and that, that's to know uh, the numbers. And so I think Paul is saying here is this whole issue of contentment, it's something that you're, you're not going to get this on your own. It's something that God is going to have to reveal to you. And when you understand it, when you see it, you're going to go, oh, now I get it. I would have never seen that on my own. So here are the things that I'd like you to think about. Number one, less is more. And by that, what, what I'm just talking about, I'm talking about breaking free from this thinking that contentment has to do with, with what we have. That has to do with stuff. That has to do with, you know, upgrading my phone or, or getting this or, or getting that. Paul writes here, he says, we have brought nothing into this world and we will take nothing out of it. Boy, did I see that in a, in a new light this last week. My wife and I walked into my father-in-law's house on the farm. And, uh, and I've read this verse many, many, many times. I've preached this, you know, that we, we brought nothing into this world and we'll take nothing out. Let me tell you, it's something when you, when you walk in... Uh, to your parents' house, and, and for Vicky now, both her parents are gone. And there's all this stuff all over the house. There's my father-in-law's caps. He had lots of caps, so there were about 10 different caps uh, on, on the buffet, and his stash of candy, and his bucket of fishing rods and extension cane poles uh, next to that, and all of his CDs with all of his country-western music. And in the bathroom is his toothbrush and shaver and, and shampoo and on his bed were the glasses. And uh, he had walked out of the house and never came back. And his life ended there and it was, it was just so vivid that you take nothing with you, not even a toothbrush. And so Paul is saying, look, life is not about the stuff you have. It's, it's not what is going to bring you contentment. Paul says that, that he has, has learned this secret. <clears throat> you know what this is like. You, you wanted something and you thought it was going to make you happy and you got it and, and you know, two weeks later, a month later, the thrill was gone, right? And, and you're wondering, why did I? Now What? Now what can I find? Now what can I be thinking about to bring me in contentment and, and buy? And, and we just keep running into these dead-end streets. I'm sure that happened to Paul. This Philippians passages, Paul says that the, he has learned. And he says, interesting, he says, I've learned to be content with, with, with lots of stuff, and I've learned to be content with almost no stuff, and what he's saying is that his stuff has nothing to do with contentment. You can be discontent because you have a lot of stuff, 
And you can be discontent because you don't have stuff that you think you want. And so in either place, we can lose this contentment that Paul is talking about. Timothy chapter 7, we see this truth that we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out. And Paul also is instructing Timothy, he says, you know what? If, if your goal is to find contentment through getting stuff, and you actually start to achieve that, and you have these desires to, to get to this place, and you think the answer to contentment in life is getting stuff, he says, you're setting yourself up in a place where you will have unique temptations and unique snares and unique pitfalls which will put you in harm's way and, and cause you to go down some really uh, destructive roads in your life. As Americans, because we have access to stuff, we find ourselves with unique temptations that, you know, when Vicki and I were in Nepal, there are people there that, that do not have the same temptations that we have here. I mean, they don't even think about pursuing some of the stuff that we do here because they don't have that opportunity. Contentment does not come from the stuff of our lives. And so, this is a secret Paul's talking about. It doesn't come natural, this way of thinking. You know, the world is always trying to create discontent in us. He's trying to make you discontent with this and this and this and you need this and you need this and you need this and that's the culture in which we live. Paul acknowledges here that we need food and we need clothes on our back but we need nothing more than that to be content. So that's the first thing. Contentment is, is not about our stuff. Here's the second one. And this one's really big. The second thing you need to do, if you're going to be content, you, you have to embrace God's sovereignty in your life and in the world. You have to embrace God's sovereignty over your life. So, so what does that look like? You know, I have plans. You know, you might have plans for 10 years out, or you might have plans for the next 10 minutes. I you get up in the day and, and you have a way in which you would like to see your day go. And most of our days rarely go exactly like we have planned. Isn't that true? Uh, life goes differently than we think. <clears throat> and in Philippians 4, 6, in that passage, if we were to read a little bit earlier, Paul makes a statement. He says, be anxious in nothing because when you're anxious, you've lost your contentment. And this is what he says. He says, I want you to give thanks in everything. I want you to give thanks in everything. Not, he doesn't necessarily say for everything, but in every situation, you can still be content. You can still be giving thanks. So how do you do that? You abandon your need to try and control everything around you and in your life and other people in your life. In order to be content, you have to embrace God's control over your life and around you. That means that you have to abandon your own need to control everything and you need to live with a, an openness to allow God to orchestrate life around you. How can you be content when life is out of control for you? Well, you have to, contrast, you have to trust that control to God. 
You know, God is writing a story with your life, and I've said this before, but if you're going to live with contentment in your life, you, you've got to surrender that pen to God and let, let him write the story of your life. If not, you'll be, you'll be frustrated at every turn in the road. And we all know what that's like. Here Paul is, he's in prison. And this isn't what Paul wanted for his life. You know, Paul, he, he, his, his goal was to be out planting churches. And his, his goal was to be encouraging fellow Christians to be out and about. And here he is, month after month, sitting in a cell. Paul says, I've, I've, learned, I've, I've learned the secret of being content wherever I am. And so here Paul is, and what does he end up doing in these jail terms? We have the book of Philippians, we have the book of 1 Timothy, we have the book of 2 Timothy. And so contentment comes here, we see that as Paul writes in Romans, that we believe that God is working all things out for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And so, in everything that happens in your life, you know, ask yourself the question, is God working this out for his purpose and for his good? Now, to get more specific, this is the question you need to ask. You've heard this from me before. Whenever something happens in your life and you lose your contentment and you wonder what God's doing, you ask yourself this question. Is God working this out for my good? And he tells you what the good is. The good that we may be called according to his purpose is that, is that we would be conformed to the image of his son. So here's a question to ask. Is this situation an opportunity for me to become more like Christ? That's the question to ask of each situation. Is this, is this thing that's going on in my life now providing an opportunity for God to work out his purposes in my life, which is becoming like Christ? You know, that's why in Timothy, he writes to this young man, he's, you know, he's talking about pursuit of money and stuff, and he says, Timothy, you need to flee all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Endure Developing the character of Christ in your life. And strangely enough, there's, if, if you'll surrender yourself to that, there's a real contentment. Because you know what? God's going to bring lots of opportunities in your life to become like Christ. And those aren't always easy opportunities, and they aren't always the ones you plan. In fact, they're often not. But if you'll surrender yourself to God's sovereign purpose in your life, you'll find yourself living with a lot more contentment in your life. Well, here's the third one. The third one is that if you're going to live with contentment, you, you have to understand God's ultimate purpose for your life. I think this is so important. You, you have to understand God's ultimate purpose. So I want you to just think with me a little bit about that. And I'm going to intro this with uh, a, a words of uh, a son of Stuart Briscoe. And uh, I'd like you to hear his, uh, Pastor Briscoe's comments here on purpose. I grew up in England. 
you will never be content without a clear understanding of God's purpose in your life. Like Solomon, you'll pursue a thousand and one things for that purpose and for that contentment. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, he said, I, everything I do, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you know, we often, when we look at that verse, we, we focus on the do part of it. You know, I can do all things through Christ, and we have that little phrase, through Christ, but I can do all things through Christ. And, and really, if you read the context of this, Paul is not really talking so much about, about tangible things we do as he's saying we can endure all things. We can do all things. We, we can be in every situation and still have contentment. And how do we do that? We do that through Christ. We do that through a relationship with Christ. We do that having entered into this uh, understanding that there is a God out there who, who knit us together in our mother's womb and who ordained every day for us and has sought after us and as we sung this morning, had been faithful to us through all these years. Who loves us, who desires us, who delights in us, who enjoys us, and who has blessings beyond what our little brains can even imagine, the Bible says. That God will do beyond all we can even ask or imagine. And, and so we have this amazing truth, and this is, when we were over in Nepal, one of the things, is, there's just a picture in my mind, and it was a picture of my desk, how my desk gets. Maybe some of you have a desk like this. But there's something important on there, but it gets covered over with all kinds of stuff. You know, yesterday's mail, and, and a bill, and, and notes, and this and that, and pretty soon our lives, you know, we, we have this treasure. We have this this understanding that when I get up in the morning and you get up in the morning, there is a God who deeply delights in you and loves you and has great plans for you. And all of these things are meant to bring us great joy and contentment. And what do we see? We see the bill. Or we see the, the piece of mail. Or we see all this stuff that's gotten piled on top of this amazing truth. And so every day, I think one of our primary tasks should be to uncover the desk and find out what's on top of this truth and, 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 and get it off and put it to the side and, and begin our day in the forefront with this truth that we are loved by God today and we have all of these things in our lives that God has promised us that nothing in this day can take away. And then when life hits, it, it hurts, it stings, but underneath, it's kind of like, it's okay. It's okay. I, I still have this inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit because I know that I have a wise and fatherly God who is present in and through every situation that might come my way. I would challenge you this week to uh, maybe take these three points and maybe get up in the morning 
and, and just remind yourself before God. Say, God, you know what? My, my life today has nothing to do with stuff. And I, I don't need any stuff to, to make me happy. And Father, today I, I'm just going to surrender my life to your sovereignty. Whatever that might be. I'm not going to try and control everybody and everything. And I'm going to make my plans, but you're going to control my steps today. And I'm not going to get all bent out of shape if something changes. And if something does, I'm just going to believe that this is your sovereign will for my life today because you have allowed it. And lastly, as you get up in the morning, get your head around this truth and your heart around this truth that that you are through Christ. If you don't know Christ, you need Christ. You know, when we walked around my father-in-law's house, it just hit me so strong. He doesn't need his caps. He doesn't need his fishing poles. He doesn't need his country western music. Today, the only thing he needs is Christ. And so, he is a source of contentment. Nothing else. Just that relationship with him, knowing that you are in Christ and that he has you, and that he holds you, and he walks with you, and he delights in you. And, and that is the truth that will bring contentment no matter what goes on in your life. But you'll have to seek God for this. And you'll have to take time because life will push you into uh, its other definitions of contentment. And it will rob you of that joy, and it will rob you of the contentment that God wants to bring into your life. So I would pray today for each one of us that uh, as, we, as we move into this Christmas season and these next months that we might experience the gift of contentment that God desires to bring each one of us. I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, we'll conclude with prayer. Father, as your people, you, uh, you desire us to be content. Lord, some of us need to confess to you this morning that we have lived and been living in discontent. And we have done so because we have not focused and put you first in our lives. We've made other things more important. We've let the concerns and worries of this life overtake us. And so, Father, might any who are here this morning in that place uh, Father, might you just grant a spirit of repentance and a willingness to change and begin to trust you for this contentment that you desire to bring into each one of our lives. Father, you have blessed us so greatly. You've given us so many things, and Lord, so many temporal things in our lives you blessed us with, and we thank you for those, but remind us today that we could strip all those away we have nothing but one meal in front of us and the clothes on our back. And Father, we are still so deeply, richly blessed because of Christ, because of all of the eternal riches we have in Him. And so, Father, might You, by Your Spirit, just uh, help us to learn uh, this secret of being content. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.